This device isn't a spaceship. It's a time machine. Goes backwards, forwards. Takes us to a place where we ache to go again. It's not called the wheel. It's called the carousel. Hello and welcome to the Carousel Podcast. I am your host, Isaac Simpson. I am here today with Matt Loberstein, the founder of Risal Shoes, which are part of the grounded shoe movement. And I found you through several of the people that I work with in our little sector of the economy, which still really has no name. But uh, I ordered some of your shoes and I've been incredibly impressed by them. So these shoes are, uh, they're like very simple leather shoes. They have a little thing on them that's like a brass. Was it brass? Sorry. What is it made out Copper. of? Copper. <laughs> Copper. It's a copper little like nugget thing that makes you <laughs> grounded in the ground. And uh, I don't even really know what that means, but the shoes fit incredibly well and they're very comfortable. And so uh, I just want to hear about why you started this company, where you see this company in sort of the larger scheme of where the economy is headed and what mm. all this grounding stuff means. So uh, welcome to the pod. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm super excited for this conversation. Uh, I loved your article that came out. I think the way you're defining this as a segment of the economy is awesome and definitely want to dive into that and, and dig deeper there. But um, yeah, like you said, my name is Matt, Matt Loberstein. I founded Rizal, uh Grounded Shoes. It only launched in January of this year. Uh, I love that you called it a copper nugget. Might have to steal that for our marketing. <laughs> I, 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 sometimes we call it a plug. You know, I, I don't know. It, it's a it's a copper. It's essentially like a rivet goes through the sole and allows you to ground with the earth, which we can get into. But yeah, you know, really, it just spawned out of um, I've already been in e-commerce for pretty much my entire adult life, you know, always being entrepreneurial, always doing my own things. And um, ultimately, over time, through ups and downs and burnouts and successes and failures, realized that I have to be doing shit that I think is awesome and everything else is just not going to work out. It, it goes against me. So this I kind of see as my first real brand that really is aligned with with me and the things that I'm interested in. And I totally started this just thinking, oh, it's a little side project. I'm creating the shoes that that I personally want. I started wearing barefoot shoes, you know, five, six years ago that kind of gets into the the flat minimal sole, the wide toe box, uh, the natural foot movement, no arch support. Um, I got into that. Um, I've been into the kind of weird fringe health stuff for many, many years. And it all just kind of many, many different threads came together to lead me to this point where Rizal just made sense. But um, started getting into grounding a couple of years ago as this sort of side of health involving EMFs and light and ground. That's kind of started to get more popular and really caught my attention and grounding was a part of that and started looking for grounding shoes. And, you know, there just really were little to no options and definitely nothing that fit my personal style and also getting into more natural materials and 
you know, in my wardrobe, avoiding polyester as much as possible, things like that. So that's where like the leather kind of fits in as well as fitting in on kind of like the meat and, uh, you know, like non-vegan sort of movement. Uh, so I think leather fits in well there. And yeah, kind of those are the the core values of Rizal, grounded, barefoot and natural as much as possible. And really just m- trying to make the shoe brand that I wanted to exist, chill, casual, daily wear, uh, leather for the foreseeable future uh, shoes that are, you know, cool, hopefully. So that's kind of, that's kind of the overview. Well, I will say I've gotten compliments on them wherever I go. Literally. I, I've been to like several <laughs> parties with them on. Everybody goes, Whoa, those are dope shoes. So, I mean, you know, th- I, and I think that's Love a it. function of, they do look good, but it's also like no one has these shoes. So they're like, so rare, you know what I mean? It's like nobody, it's dope to like wear that around. And they're like, what are those? I've never literally never seen them. Totally. Yeah, which is cool. So yeah, and if you saw somebody wearing them, you would know you're kind of like aligned on certain values and things like that. So yeah, yeah. and that we'll we'll get to that part as we keep talking, which is like what is you know really this you know based economy, which is funny because it's like based is also an earth metaphor. So it's grounded Mm. and based. It's like it's funny that based shoes. Yeah, (laughs) our whole movement is like, and it's because I have this theory of like you know, Talmudically speaking, like, uh, the air is broken, <laughs> you mm. know, like, like there's too much air. Everything is just in the air, you know? Mm. And, uh, actually this is Kabbalistically speaking, not, not Talmudically, but, uh, like the, and so the cure to it is earth. Like people are looking for earth, you know? And they're like, we all need grounding right now because right. nothing is real. Your identity is whatever you say it is. You know, it's like, yeah. it's just, everything's like all up in the air. So um, th- I guess my first question would be, what is grounding? How did you find it? What does it mean? Yeah, I like, I love what you just touched on. Cause I think part of it is part of the reason people are confused about grounding is because the term is used in a few different ways. Cause some people refer to grounding in like a, a very more spiritual way. They're like, oh, you know, take a few de- uh, take a few deep breaths and ground yourself and and that's cool i'm you know i'm all about that but this type of grounding is actually more referring to like a a physics sense like an actual measurable electrical charge that um grounding means you're in continuity with earth's charge so basically earth has a natural charge this this, this excess of of electrons and that's because it's getting struck by lightning at some point pretty much everywhere on the planet and there's these this extra um Electrons are negative charge. So there's this the surplus of electrons. And that's involved in many, many processes in your body. Like I'm more interested on like the mitochondrial function, redox reactions, all these things that just kind of give you more energy in general. And basically, this would have been our natural state for all of history, right? Uh, you know, this is the natural state of being on this planet. Currently, we're living in a wild experiment of being under, you know, crazy electromagnetic fields 24-7 wherever we are. Um, but that wouldn't have been the natural state. And w- as soon as you're not touching the ground, as soon as you're wearing rubber-soled shoes, as soon as you're uh, in a building, um, you're basically building up a positive charge, which is like a static charge. And that's actually a loss of electrons. So that's things in the environment, literally like stealing electrons off from from you. And so um, by touching the earth, and this is all very easily measurable with like a simple $10 voltmeter or continuity meter, you can see when you're physically touching the earth that the charge in your body is now in sync with the earth and that's what it means to be 
to be grounded. Uh, so what's actually That's happening crazy. is you are pulling, you are getting electrons from the earth. So you're getting extra electrons and that's essentially an antioxidant. So you hear a lot about antioxidants. The excess electrons is the ultimate uh, antioxidant. So it's involved in all kinds of things where you hear of potential benefits for antioxidants, lowering inflammation, things like that um, are things that there's a lot of science around it. And it's believed to have biological effects. And, you know, that's up to people to like determine whether or not they believe, you know, if you if you read into it, but the the physics of grounding is very apparent and very easy to measure. So that's kind of what like grounding itself actually means. Continuity. Damn, that's crazy. I've never, I, it's like that makes so much intuitive sense, but I didn't ever think about it. So do you know, like what, when you mean it's like in sync with the earth, what does that actually electronically mean? It's like the, what, what does that mean? Do you know? I mean, basically, it would mean there's not. And, and by the way, I just want to say, like, I'm not a physicist or an yeah, electrician no, totally. or a Sorry, or a scientist. But I mean, no, I, I love this stuff. The totally. Like, I just, I just want to say, you know, I'm a student of it as well, and I, I think it's great. Um, but yeah, what it, what it basically means is that there's no longer a charge differential between the two things. So when there's a charge differential, then there's like a flow, like a current oh, yeah, yeah, between yeah, the yeah. two things. Yeah. But when there, when there are two things, I, I should really spend some time thinking of like a great analogy for this, but when um when the two things are in sync they are just in congruence with each other and there's not a a differential in the charge so um yeah basically you're just reducing that voltage in your body back down to the same equivalent of the earth yeah. when you're when you're touching it so well it's like anything with equilibrium right it's like if there, there's tension between the two things and it's being blocked by this rubber barrier and it's so exactly. funny that we've chosen to walk around on the earth on rubber, which is like exactly. not a, you know, like it's the definition of an electric, electrical, what, what do you call Insulator. it? Insulator. Insulator. Yeah. So and it's, it's like, that's it's a, the yeah. material we've chosen to walk around the earth. Yeah. On. And for, so, yeah, even for, um, even for most of like, you know, however you, however we define modern to be as flexible, but like for most of even modern history, any footwear that would have been worn would have been relatively conductive. So on risals, even the sole is leather. So they're actually grounded even without the copper. The copper is just very conductive. So it makes it undeniable, like you can't argue it. But technically, even without that, they're actually still relatively conductive. So um, that's how like, you know, more ancient and ancestral footwear would have been, you know, it would have been a slab of leather or some kind of like woven fabric or like, you know, um, just native materials. But rubber is actually... A natural material as well but it's just that's its natural property to be to be insulated and in most yeah. honestly uh, out of rubber shoes these days it's actually not rubber it's rubber synthetic polymer plastic petroleum based mix of stuff with crazy like you know it's it's straight out of factories but but true real rubber is actually an interesting material that might explore at some point of course would still keep it grounded through the copper and stuff like that but um yeah yeah it's fascinating. It's really fascinating. And so, you know, there's like so many things like this that are like returning to this more natural state. Um, mm -hmm. So why Rizal? Which I was saying wrong. I was saying that wrong. So what is Rizal? <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Yeah, I get that. It's it's a it throws some people off for sure. But uh, yeah, so when I was, um, you know, I was thinking on this idea for for a long time you know it kind of marinated in my mind through 2022 
And um, as it was getting closer in product development, it's like, all right, it's, you know, it's time to get the branding and the whole package kind of kind of sealed. So it's brainstorming on ideas. And I kept coming back to this concept of like roots, because obviously roots are in the ground and roots are like, you know, like taking nutrients and information and all kinds of things from the ground. So I kept thinking of this concept uh, of roots. Uh, like uh, rhizome. Exactly. You're getting uh, it. Yeah, right, that's where it's come from. So at first okay. I was like looking like, you know, what are some translations of roots? Uh, you know, I was I was thinking like raiz, which means root in Spanish. Like I was looking at some other names like that. And then um, then the mycorrhizal network popped into my head. I just remembered this concept. The mycorrhizal network is this communication network of how like literally trees can essentially send like signals to each other. They're kind of communicating and they're doing it through fungi. So the word mycorrhizal, mycorrhizal network, myco means fungi and rhizal means like of roots, you could say. So myco, so it's like the, the fungal communication network of this root network. So I think of rhizal as meaning like of this rich communication information network in the soil of the earth. And I just thought that perfectly fit with, you know, the concept of like reconnecting with this with the source of energy and with this, with this natural state. So yeah, I'm, I'm still pretty stoked on the name, to be honest. I think it's, I think it's kind of the perfect fit for it and it has a cool sound and look to it. So definitely. It. I, it just clicked that that's what that is. I mean, of course there's our whole space of, you know, people talking about Deleuze and the rhizome. So mm. Deleuze was this philosopher. I don't know shit about this at all. But all I know is that Deleuze was a philosopher and his whole concept was about the rhizome. And the rhizome um, was a metaphor for um, a nonlinear network that connects any point to any other point. So it's like it's mm -hmm. like um, basically, I think it's trying to like suggest that there's this connections between things that are not really um i'm going to do a terrible job of this but i it's the, the, the there's connections between things that are not really explainable in a way it's like everything is just sort of yeah. jumbled together but i i love uh, what you're saying i love that that's what it means uh it's funny cuz like that's people are constantly there's literally a book called based Deleuze by this guy justin murphy and it's all about like the rise up um I got to so, check that out. That's a super interesting thread for, for me to go down. But yeah, clearly it, it yeah. comes from the same root word. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. So cool, man. All right. So Rizal. Nice. So uh, before the, okay. So there were three elements, right? There was the name, there was grounding and there was barefoot. So let's talk about uh, barefoot. Like what, mm -hmm. What does that mean? What What is a barefoot shoe? Is a barefoot shoe the same thing as like with the shoot with the toe shoes? Is that also a barefoot shoe? Like what's the advantage of a barefoot shoe? Yeah, absolutely. So so barefoot shoes have been around for a bit. And that's really what got me into like the more health focused shoes, you could say. But to me, what the definition of a barefoot shoe is, is a shoe that lets your foot emulate its natural state. So being barefoot. And the reason that that's a, not so common these days is because for whatever reason, we've ended up with shoes that have like really pointy toe boxes and your toes get smashed into the front. And then 
um, then they or they have raised heels. So it, it's just cha- all these different things, arch support in the I'm using my hand as an example, but you know, you get you get this arch support in the middle causing your foot to be like this to be supported in the areas that don't actually support weight on your foot. And it all causes just very unnatural foot movement. And like generally in the barefoot shoe community, it's believed that like all these sort of things that are being sold to us as fixes for your shoes, like, oh, you need more arch support, you need more cushion, that those are actually the things that are causing the problem. And like you've kind of mentioned this whole broad theme of just getting back to nature, getting back to, you know, simple, old school, real products and stuff like that. It, 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 you know, there's a lot of forces that just make products that are bad for us, you know, whether it's food, we could go down all those different tangents, but in the shoe world, it's that it's, we smash our toes. We get this unnatural arch support. We get have raised heels and um, that just causes our foot to be in a totally unnatural position, causes all kinds of mechanics issues. So that's what a barefoot shoe solves. So risals are barefoot, but that's just, to me, the barefoot part is like so obvious at this point that it's just crazy to me that there are shoes that aren't this way. It's like, why are we wearing shoes that aren't shaped like our feet? So to me, that should be like just the fundamental like requirement of shoes. <laughs> um so yeah, that covers the the barefoot part, which is definitely a big, you know, part of, of, of Rizal, but it's really like the grounding that I think makes it truly unique. There's a lot of great barefoot shoe brands at this point, some that have been, you know, quite large and are 10 plus years old, you know, uh, definitely like some Vivo, Zero, those have been around for a, a long time. Uh, you mentioned like the five fingers type of shoes. I think those would technically be considered barefoot too, um, but kind of a different way of solving the problem. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what covers barefoot is just allowing more natural foot movement. And so barefoot's basically like wider toe box, flatter, no support, flatter thing, right? Exactly. One one really interesting thing you say in your branding is, um, I, I forget exactly where this is, but um, you have this thing where you say that like, the cuts oh here we go risals aren't like other shoes the soles are not that i have this here by the way but uh (laughs) your marketing insert because the uh risals aren't like your other shoes the soles are nothing but leather um they can start out a little slippery after a walk on the pavement the minor scuffs on the bottom will add grip i love that i love that image because it's like Mm -hmm it's putting in the natural use as part of the shoe. And it's, uh, we need just so much more of that. You know, we need to return to these things where wear is actually a bug, not a feature, right? Or sorry, a feature, not a bug. Feature, not, yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that that's so cool. And I will, will say that, um, the shoes are weirdly comfortable right out of the gate. I was expecting it to be the total opposite, you know, because I come from the world of rainbow sandals and rainbow mm-hmm. sandals. It's like you pay for like a week and your feet are all destroyed and all blistery. And then you have these like sandals that cling to your foot, like for the rest of your time, which is also great in its own right. I thought that's what this was going to be, but this is totally the opposite. This is like, they're really comfortable right away and like really slippery. And yeah, like you say, they kind of like slip around, but not in a bad way, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, I think the break-in, I mean, the thing is, is they can vary just, which is a cool property of like the more natural construction in the leather. So, you know, it helps with, with sizing, you know, like it sounds like yours fit very perfectly right away, yeah, which means did. there's they a really lot, did. there's a lot less pressure on them to stretch. But on the other hand, like if you squeezed yourself into one size down, honestly, they probably would break in over time and be, it, it, that's why like when we're dealing with like sizing issues with people, it honestly mostly just comes down to the length for our sizing. Because, you know, if they're snug in the width or the top, uh, they will stretch and break in. But as long as your like toes aren't jammed in the front, you're basically good to go. So, yeah, we put that on the marketing insert just to, to make sure like if they do start snug for some people, everyone's feet are different, like they do break in. But yeah, they're generally they're like the most comfortable shoe you've ever had. I mean, they're almost like slipper like, right? Like your, yeah, your toes, yeah, your yeah. toes are pretty free. It's just like and they're so um like. I love the weight of them. Like with the yeah. slip on they're they're very minimal and like they yeah. weigh, they weigh nothing, which is just feels very like free. And you feel like, you know, lighter on your feet because you're not clunking around, which a lot of that is, is like the barefoot uh, features we were just talking about, but also the leather. I mean, the leather just has this more of like a flat flop to it on the ground than even all the other barefoot shoes I've worn. And I think, yeah, that just comes down to like the, the, uh, the, texture of the leather like it's a rigid it's a thick it's thick as far as leather it's thin as far as a shoe sole right like so it so, has some some meat to it you could say but it's like just soft enough just hard enough that it kind of works perfectly and like you said the 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 slickness at the beginning that's because it's just a it's just leather on the bottom but once you you know so if you try them on inside and you're on like carpet you might be like whoa like these are a little slick but then you know as soon as you've worn them outside they kind of like they just get natural abrasions on the, on the leather and then they're, they're good to go. So, and that just comes down to, you know, wanting to keep it as, as, as simple um, from the like materials perspective, you know, like, like I said, most, most shoes are just completely synthetic materials. So I think the leather sole is like a very cool uh, ancestral esque solution to, to a shoe sole and, and really goes back for, you know, thousands of years. Well, and what's so surprising is it doesn't at, I walk, like a mile to my office every day. And I walk through Pasadena, which is just like concrete, you know, it's just like a concrete thing all the way. And I feel like we think, well, if we're walking on concrete that, you know, it's almost like rubber has come up as a response to concrete in a way. Right. It's like, like we mm -hmm. rubber is the answer to making concrete feel like grass more or less. Yes. You know what I mean? It's like, that's a, the well put the yeah. perfect synthetic product because it's the, it's the like, you know, cure. It's the, the medicine for the illness, for the medicine, for the illness, like that's gotten us to this, you know, the, the these yeah. rubber shoes, but totally. you, but you would think that, Oh, well now I'm going to put these things on and it's, it, it, I can't walk around the concrete. It hurts. It does not hurt at all. It doesn't make any, it's very surprising that yeah. just a thin layer of leather, leather, I haven't had any, you can just walk to work and back. It's like, there's no difference. Exactly. Like your feet are actually not, really strong. Yeah. It, it, I mean, that's the idea of barefoot shoes is it actually strengthens your balance. It strengthens your ankles, your, all these like micro muscles and little movements in your feet. I've just speaking personally, I've felt so much of that stuff come back after years of wearing barefoot shoes. And especially after the last year or so of wearing risals, it's just like even more minimal, but you might even notice if you, if you pay attention to it, but like, they're almost subconsciously training you to walk slightly different, which is a more natural way of walking. Like if you walk truly barefoot, 
you walk a lot different than when you're wearing, you know, super cushioned shoes, because when you're wearing super cushioned shoes, you just slam your heel into the ground. And that's a very unnatural way of, of walking. Like you said, everything used to be just dirt and grass. You know, if you're, if you go like jog up a grass hill barefoot or something like that, like, or even not uphill just at all, like you're, you're, you actually strike more with the the front ball of your foot and it kind yeah, of flattens into your foot. Definitely. So, you, you know, yeah, you, that's you a, like, go like this. You like, kind of like, like a, exactly. It's like, it, or something. Yeah. like you're kind of like, yeah, yeah. On, on your toes. Yeah, yeah. And it's very unnatural to do that with sh- shoes on. Yeah, um, but yeah. you'll notice that with risers, like if, if, you know, um, for people that have, maybe this is their first barefoot shoe, uh, maybe, or maybe you're, maybe you're older, you've been wearing, you know, regular shoes for 50 years or something like that. Like you will get a little bit punished if you heel strike, because if you heel strike too hard in a very minimal shoe or especially barefoot, like you feel it. I mean, that sends like a, you know, a shockwave up your, up your spine in a sense. Cause you're just, it's very rigid and that's not the way that our feet are designed, um, our feet are designed to be this like supple, very, I mean, our hands move like crazy, but our feet are so um, atrophied and in, in yeah. modern. Like, like, I'm sure you've probably seen like those videos or, or even in real life, just like a, like a baby's foot, like every, like the, the toes are just going wild. Like the whole, like, it's more like a hand than a, than what we think of as a foot of being this like semi stuck rigid, like thing that we can you know we can hardly control it we're like how do i move my third toe like i yeah, kind of you, yeah, no, <laughs> you know what i mean like immobile toes it's yeah yeah right right yeah. so yeah you kind of find that wearing these or of course being barefoot like you know you even without being conscious of it it's kind of retraining those things and allowing you to like oh i i'm subconsciously realizing that it doesn't feel so great to slam my heel into the ground i'm gonna walk a little bit lighter on my feet a little bit more of the 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 balls on my feet and let let them kind of cushion into the ground naturally and this stuff all comes naturally as i was really researching this a lot pre rise of launch like it it occurred to me one day because i because i walk barefoot whenever i mean barefoot is still great like i'm, I'm not the barefoot shoe guy that's going to be like oh like you know don't be actually barefoot and don't actually ground um like i'm barefoot if i can be barefoot but, but the reality is like you know crossing city roads and yeah, you know, there's a lot of situations where like I don't want to be barefoot, right? Yeah. But I realized in like walking barefoot just around my neighborhood and stuff like that that like when you walk up or down a hill, you naturally do this. Like no matter what, like you cannot heel strike walking on uneven surfaces. And that gets back to what you were saying about concrete because now we live in this flat hard world and we're walking in a very unnatural na- way on those surfaces. But if you go walk barefoot in some dirt or grass and especially on uneven like not like up down you know uneven surfaces you will 100 percent just naturally like it's it's instinctual that you'll walk this way yeah super fascinating it really is very fascinating this is a just a fascinating entire uh field so i uh, the thing i've noticed with a lot of uh you know based entrepreneurs or there's this trend of you know like I'm, i call it the new natural some people call it like synthetic or anti-synthetic capitalism or, mm. you know, like uh, dissident capitalism or, you know, it's it's kind of like reclaiming this products that are anti-global supply chain, you know, it, 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 and the thing that I notice of many people that I deal with, um, and I think you're maybe the same, is they come from being very familiar with like the supply chains or the world of products. And then they kind of like defect 
And they say like, no, I'm not going to be part of this anymore. I'm starting my own thing. That's like genuinely yeah. radical. It's like genuine, you know, like Hestia cigarettes, you know, that's like a genuinely radical project project because they're going against this, you know, two or three companies that own every single cigarette brand in existence. And they, they, they don't even let you make new cigarette brands at all. It's the first cigarette right. brand in 15 years. That's, that's approved because it's so hard. They make it basically impossible. And they're making it with better ingredients, better filters, better tobacco, better paper uh, that are all more natural. So are you, you said that you were working in DTC before. So what are you, without, you don't have to be specific, but what were you doing? And then how did you get so fed up that you decided to do your own thing? Yeah. Um. Well, just to clarify slightly, I've always been doing my own thing, but they weren't always things that I was as passionate about. Like, for example, my my big main thing in e-commerce for a lot of the last 10 years, though stopped a few years ago, was I was selling on Amazon. I was doing Amazon FBA. If you're familiar with that, I was just spinning up all these brands that were like kind of cool, but they weren't that unique. You know, there was mostly just importing bulk stuff from China with slight modifications yeah. and putting logos, putting logos on it and marketing it better is essentially what I was doing. And, and this Amazon FBA was really hot and I had a YouTube channel and I was kind of like known for this stuff. And I was doing that and ultimately just got so fed up with just really the problem is most, most products are junk. And I just got fed up with that. I'm just like, this is dumb. Like people are, you're just selling plastic shit that is basically trash. And like, that's not what I want. So I think a lot of it comes down a lot of the way I think of entrepreneurship in general at this point is just like, what do I want? Like, what am I crazy about? What am I insane about? What am I looking for that doesn't exist? And then just trying to make it. And I just find that the more I do that, the more other people had the same wishes. Like the idea is kind of already out there. And if you just put it out there and reach the right people. So, but yeah, you know, so I was doing a lot of, um, in the very early days, I just got into e-commerce by like reselling and importing random crap. And that led to the Amazon brands, which were kind of like the stepping stone, stepping stone to DTC. And then a few years ago, I actually, I still so run these this were, business. Sorry. So they, just, just to make sure everybody understands sure. what you're saying, I have a little bit of experience in this. So I, I think I know what you're talking about. This is basically white labeling crap from China, making an Amazon store and like, having an Instagram channel where you maybe run ads and then you direct people to the store, but really you're just selling like white label. Like for example, I know a company that uh, makes um, like cocktail mixers, mm, right? Mm -hmm. And they just import this crap from China. They slap their logo on it and yeah. they have a store and it's like, it's like, you know, the name is something like, you know, like candle and and uh you know alleyway or you know like like tallow <laughs> right 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 tallow and like uh you know steel yeah. one of these dumb right. names and then craft yeah it, yeah they, yeah they they mark it up like to a hundred dollars i think they get it for like two dollars or something from china and then they just sold for 40 million or something because they you know they they wow. sell so many of these things um under yeah. the guise of them being this like rustic american you know, set that people give their dads for Father's Day. And uh, it's just pure marketing because the underlying product yeah. is just shit. That's what you're basically talking about, right? That's essentially it. Yeah. I mean, I would like to think, you know, I'm, I'm selling myself a little short on it. Like I was definitely leaning towards DTC and like did some innovations on the products that I was doing. But ultimately, I think what it really came down to was like, I wasn't pumped about the products. You know what I mean? Like it was 
I was doing some stuff that was kind of cool. I was kind of into, I was making some changes. Um, in some cases I was just putting a logo on things, but in other cases I was like, you know, trying to push certain products to have some changes and stuff. But ultimately, at least after it played out, I was just, I was just sick of it, but um, started getting into more passion DTC. And I was also just fed up with Amazon. And I think that even plays into like your kind of thesis of like anti-corporate brands in a way. And like Amazon is just this, I it's, I might, even if I ever do products in the future that would, like, I don't think Rizal really makes sense for Amazon, but I would consider doing products that might make sense for Amazon. And honestly, I might just, I I think the move these days is just to go direct. It's just so much of a stronger relationship with the customer and it's better for the brands. Like, so yeah, I just kind of pushed away from that. But uh, just to touch on one thing, but that was between Amazon and, and Rizal, that's actually still going as I also started this uh this is totally different so this is going to be out there for maybe you or other people but i started this brand called rsnv um rsnv so it's we do uh porsche car upgrades aero parts like engineered like crazy like expensive car uh aero accessories and stuff like that so i still actually run this business with a partner on that one who's the, the engineering side of the business but that's a pretty cool little brand that really like that was now in the, the way the dots connect in in reverse. That was the stepping stone between just doing crap on Amazon to eventually doing more things like Rizal, where it's truly direct and it's truly like, um, I mean, RSMD was a very unique product as well. Like it wasn't, I'm, I was into that stuff, but but Rizal is so much more like uh, aligned with what the, the stuff I'm truly into right now. So uh, yeah, that was just a, one that's still kind of running, but that was a fun, a fun project in between. So how did you get into this stuff? Like a lot, so many people are into, you know, drop shipping and you know, this thing and this thing, like, how did you, and I'm not saying you were doing drop shipping. I'm just saying like, how did you hmm. get into this? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, when I was literally like in school, like I might've even been the very end of high school, if not during for sure all of college, but I just started reselling. Like I was just, I was just kind of like hustling for income on the side, you know, like yeah. I, the, um, and, uh, I would buy iPhones on Craigslist and sell them on eBay. I was doing that a lot. I was really into, um, less so these days, but I've historically, I've been very obsessed with vintage watches. So I used to buy and sell a lot of vintage Rolex, Omega, JLC, like all these, uh, you know, 50s and 60s era watches i used to always be buying and selling those so i've just always kind of had these side hustles and that eventually led to like doing it at more more scale which is kind of how we got on this topic of like how do i like what do i know about supply chains and stuff so that that kind of small scrappy stuff led me to eventually like oh i could just like what if i could just find something that i could import a hundred of them from from china or whatever and then that kind of like was the first the that, that's what kind of transitioned me from just selling local stuff when i was 19 years old to like, okay, can I sell a bunch of like iPhone charger cables on eBay or something? And then that led to like, oh, can I like, you know, put a different logo onto like mm -hmm. a cocktail mixer? Um, so I just kept going up the rungs. Um, and yeah, back then nobody was talking about this type of shit. Like in the time that I was in it was when like dropshipping and Amazon and all of that like kind of became super popular. Oh, wow. But so back you in were, that- You were reselling even before. Where, where were you yeah. selling? Like where? eBay mostly. It was all eBay. Okay. Wow. Mostly eBay. Yeah. Um, I mean, for the vintage watches, actually, that was actually mostly on Reddit of all places. Like really? there was this, yeah, there was this Reddit? subreddit. Yeah, there was this subreddit for like just selling watches. And you know, Reddit has sub communities for all kinds of enthusiasts. And I used to just um 
you know, I'd buy, I buy actually in that case, I would buy a lot of the watches on eBay because on eBay, nobody really knew what they were selling. But on Reddit, everyone knew what they were buying and I knew what I was looking for. So that was actually the reverse model from most of what I was doing. But yeah, for the most part, you know, it was just like stuff like that that I was doing. And this was when I was like, you know, this was like 10 years ago. I was like 20. So, wow. So you totally self-taught. Did you study any of this in school or, I mean, you not can't at all. Even, what, what would you study? Yeah, I was, uh, I, no, I studied, I did finish college. I studied psychobiology actually at <laughs> UCLA. Um, so psychobiology, yeah, you know, I, I, what the fuck is psychobiology? <laughs> I've never even heard of that. <laughs> so you could, you could think of it as the biology of psychology. Um, isn't so that meaning neurology, like, isn't that called neurology? So, so neuroscience, n- neurology is actually the medical practice r- tied to neuroscience. Yeah. Neuroscience is really cool. But the thing with neuroscience is, well, one, neuroscience is very, uh, very like super completely science-based. And I was also interested in the psychology side, but psychology was like not not science, but it didn't have any of like the, the heavier science stuff. And psychobiology was cool because it had more to do with like the biology of the mind, whereas neuroscience, like technically your toe twitching is neuroscience. Like that's neurons that are, that's causing your, your toe to twitch. Right. And I'm like, I'm not interested in toes twitching. I'm interested in like, you know, vision and like psychedelic states and like, you know, you know, like interesting, uh, or or like, um, you know, psychological diseases and like, more of like the chemical side of your perception. Right. That's what, that's what, that's how I think of psychobiology is it's like, It's a fusion of biology and psychology, but yeah. without like the heavier neuroscience stuff. So, I mean, it was cool. Isn't was that was psychiatry doing. though? Isn't that basically psychiatry? Because then isn't this drugs and stuff? They're all different. I mean, psycho- psychiatry is specifically, uh, yeah, treating like uh, mental conditions with yeah, like yeah, yeah, generally yeah. these days pharmaceuticals. So yeah, psychology, I mean, psychobiology, I was, you know, it was more of like the research side or it was all of like prerequisites to do, to go like the medical route, which at the time I thought I was going to do, you know, but I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I was just like, oh, maybe that seems like a good thing. But I started doing all this reselling while I was in college. And ultimately I just realized like, dude, if I can make money doing on my own terms, like that's what I'm going to do. So, I mean, by the time I graduated college I was basically already certain that I wasn't gonna it was some cost at that point I was like I got like a year to go like I'll just finish but I don't know um but yeah you know so after that never applied to a single job um I I did have like little jobs when I was you know like 16 18 but by the time I was like uh you know going into the real world never never even never even applied to a job I just I've, I've managed to and I've had I, I don't mean to make that sound like it's just been like straight up I've had many many ups and downs and I'm I wouldn't consider myself to have like made it by any means even at this point but like you know I've at least managed to like have freedom from like doing things that I I don't want to do which is cool but yeah so that's kind of it's kind of yeah You've avoided the longhouse. You've fully avoided the longhouse. <laughs> Do you know what that is? No. Uh, What's don't, that? Even, don't even worry about it. Uh, <laughs> no, it's just like an inside joke about um, in my world about like uh, the workplace of the modern day. And it's just this like horrible, like, uh, you know, uh, like kindergarten where all your uh, actions are being watched and judged and, you know, like right. it, it, that kind of thing. Um and dude, man, I wish I'd figured out what you figured out from a young age. I wish, you know what I wish they had? I wish that like, I feel like there's like some people that just cannot work for other people. 
Yeah. You know, like I'm definitely one of those people, but it took me so long to figure that out where, you know, I, I wish there was like some, I wish like schools differentiated you in the beginning of like, okay, you go off and do your own thing. And you yeah, yeah. like go into the biz into working for others. Um, Absolutely. Dude, that would have, I mean, that would have helped me a lot too, because I, you know, until I was 18, whatever, I didn't know that that was a path. Like, yeah. it's just like, Oh, you gotta, you gotta find a way to fit yourself into the box. And, you know, I, I was like the type that hated school, hated getting up in the morning, but I got good grades. You know, like yeah. I was, I, I could play the game. Yeah. Um, and, but like, I just could never see myself like setting an alarm and, and driving to work. And like, I don't know, it just, it just doesn't work for me. Like it just yeah. truly doesn't. So for, for me, you know, like it's uh, it just feels mandatory. And that's not to say that's for everybody. I, 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 that's a lesson I've learned for sure is like, I used to feel like everyone has to do this, you know, and yeah. <laughs> uh, it's not for everybody. Um, but you know, if it's for you, you know, it's for you and you're going to yeah. make it, you're going to make it happen. Like you're just going to have to figure it out. And even if that means like, you know, lowering your, means of living whatever it is like uh you know it's just yeah there's a certain type of person yeah are, are so did you grow up in LA no i actually grew up in northern california uh napa so i grew up in napa wine country california and then uh made it down to LA uh for college so then i stayed in LA and then just a few years ago moved down to san diego area so just why did you move to sd keep... Um, just, we just, me and my wife just wanted like a change of pace kind of like, I don't know. We just, we kept taking these like weekend little trips down to like Encinitas and stuff down here. And we just kind of fell in love with it. And, um, it's just a bit slower pace, a little bit more chilled out than even LA. And, um, yeah, just kind of liked the vibe shift. So definitely it's very beautiful down there. I mean, I think San Diego is one of the most beautiful parts of the country. It's kind yeah. of underrated in that way a lot of people don't realize that san diego is like way prettier than la <laughs> you know like the, <laughs> yeah, the I mean, nature yeah. la is actually kind of a shithole naturally like all of the nature we see in la is fake you know yeah. none of it's actually real like it's basically a desert scrub land like i i talked to somebody who was working in the channel islands uh the other day and it was like the channel islands if you go to the channel islands which is like the natural like what LA would be if it was just untouched. It's just like scrub. It's like chaparral, you know, it's just like yeah, a scr right. desert scrub with like a bunch of sea lions and shit. Like it's a weird environment here. It's not, it's not meant to be like palm trees and shit. That's all fake. Totally. Yeah, Whereas San Diego in. is like beautiful. San Diego is like a beautiful, like genuinely like beautiful place. Yeah. You definitely see it just in the different plants that grow down here. I mean, it's definitely, yeah trending it trends a touch more tropical than than, yeah. than la for sure and just that was honestly one of the things i fell in love with about it. it ties in with like the natural sort of living and stuff is like in la you have these amazing beaches but they're like you know they're they're manicured and, and like down here like there's cliffs and rocks and yeah you know there's great beautiful perfect beaches too but like there's just more variation in it and yeah there's uh you know i was in like hermosa beach manhattan beach and just even the neighborhoods it's like everything is perfect and straight and everything's like uh down here it's just, I, I kind of like that it, it, honestly it reminds me it's a bit more of like hawaii-esque like yeah. in hawaii like you know there's just like plants growing on the side of the road or whatever like i i kind of like that um less manicured vibe and i think i'm really liking it in san diego i think as, as long as i stay in 
California or even even the U.S. Like I think San Diego's would be the spot unless I made some like crazy change. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's also less of a disaster than up here for you know, like in terms of all the homeless shit. Um, yeah. So, uh, by the way, what is this little like? Uh, there's this little symbol. This this like grounding symbol that looks like a little like upside down dumbbell kind of thing that I see on Twitter. <laughs> like, what is that? Just the international symbol for grounding, or what is that? You're 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 spot on. So <laughs> when I was so after after nailing the name, I was like, all right, got to get a logo together asap and i was looking through inspiration and i stumbled on the actual like schematic symbol for grounding like if you look at like a you know the wiring diagram of like a house or something like there's a true like symbol that is used for grounding and it's it's not exactly what that logo is but you can see that it's obviously where the inspiration came from so i was like okay the starting logo for the actual symbol for ground is luckily already pretty cool <laughs> like so i was like all right how can i just take this and put a little bit of spin of it so um yeah i just uh, to be i did that i did that logo myself i was just like let me just like change the angles change the shapes uh obviously like have this tricolor sort of like a vintage-esque color scheme going on but yeah it's y- you nailed it it's it's based on the actual symbol for ground and just um tweaked enough to hopefully seem like a like a cool logo so <laughs> great man um so how's in the last little bit of time here how's the you know how is business going now i mean do you where do you see the future of this type of product and specifically risal like where do you see this all going yeah speaking broadly i think um I'm obsessed with just this idea of brands in the space. You know, I, I want to start more brands in the space. I hope I can get to a point where I could invest in and help incubate and grow as many brands as possible in this. What is this it, space? Though? What is this? <laughs> you know, you, you can probably explain it better. Than, I don't even know. But like, for me, it's, um, it's like odd. It's like esoteric health that specifically has a older way of it being made i don't know if that makes sense like it's kind of like a vintage new modern retro i'm just spilling words that will somehow come together it's like modern retro health brands <laughs> i don't know yeah uh like so weird yeah things and, so and, that, weird. And, and and when i say health it's like that could be you know that could be a clothing brand like that's something i almost started before risal actually natural clothing you know uh, i might still do that at some point but um yeah you know i think um Speaking broadly about brands in this space, um, niche brands, small, very specific things can still be a lot bigger. Like a small business is still a pretty big business is is something that I'm learning over the years. And what I mean by that is like a small business with a team of three or five people that speaks to a very particular person, like somebody that wants grounded shoes or somebody that drinks raw milk or something like those businesses can still be like eight figure businesses like even though they're very, very, very specific. Um, and so, you know, when I started Rizal, I had very little to no expectations for it, to be honest. I was like, fun little side project, making something I want to do. Very quickly, it started taking off more than I expected. And I, I basically got to like a, a running rate of where I hoped it might be in like a year or two, like immediately. So I was like, okay, uh, clearly there's more of an appetite for this than I even expected. So um you know, at this point, I'm just hoping to to 
this is definitely my my number one focus at the moment. I've still got my hands on a few things, but I might I'm always an idea guy. I'm always thinking about new ideas more than anything. So my dream is to kind of have the engine to plug into the ideas. Maybe as Rizal grows a team, the same team can be incubating a new little brand on the side. That's kind of like a, a vision that I have. But you know, really, uh, really just hoping to grow it and and get this out there and kind of like lead the charge and grounding over the next few years or so, which I feel like is happening. I feel like um, I feel like grounding has trended harder in the time since Rizal launched than I've ever seen it, uh, which is really great timing and also feels good to know that this time actually I actually acted on a trend that I identified. Whereas in the past, I've always remained on the cutting edge of this stuff, I would say, yet I never really took the action to like be uh, the one leading part of it forward. So that's something I'm being more proactive about. It's like when I, when, when, when I recognize something that's upcoming, it's like, okay, that's, if I think it's cool, it's probably going to be a thing. And not just me, I just mean like anybody, right? So um, yeah, you know, I think it's still so early for Rizal. It launched in, in January and it's a, it's, it's handmade product. So it has a completely different like supply chain logistical stuff to the other stuff we were talking about. So the main issue has just been ramping up and, you know, we've been out of stock and made to order back ordered, uh, the entire time. And it's just been like, it's just been wild. So hopefully scale that up, get way more styles out. You know, right now we're at just one style. We started with one style in two colors and then it went to four colors and now six colors. And pretty soon there's going to be two completely new stuff, new styles. And then hopefully, in, hopefully a year from now, there's, you know, 12 different styles and, uh, really just build that out. But with the same, obviously the same principles, but applied to like, hopefully every type of shoe. And, uh, I think that can grow it quite a bit. So what are other brands, who are other people in this space that we're having such a hard time defining? Like where, are, who are the others that you view as in the same space? Hmm. Well, I think you had a, you had probably the most comprehensive list I've seen in your, in your article. I mean, I think you, I think you nailed it. And I, I was really honored to have, to see Rizal like amongst those brands. Uh, that was really like a cool moment, probably like my favorite piece of press I've seen, you know, it was just really mm -hmm. cool to see it. Cause I've, you know, uh, like Van Man, of course, uh, Masa Chips, you mentioned Hestia Tobacco. I think those are great, um, great examples. I would definitely put like, um, everything Solbra is doing in his yeah. is more of like, you know, self influencer driven, which is yep. great. Uh, he has that audience, but I would put his sort of, um, products in this category as well. Um, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of like natural clothing brands I would put into it. Um, yeah, those are the ones that I, I'm trying to think who else comes to mind. Um, what else comes to mind for you? Um, well, I had this other guy on my podcast who does tallow face products or sorry, not tallow, uh, pig lard face oh. products. And I'll yeah. tell you, man, that really is the natural version of this thing that we're talking about for skin. Like the first time I ever just touched the balm, I was immediately like, Oh shit, this is like, this is for mm. sure the thing that we're like supposed to be rubbing on our body because it's like, it feels like a hundred times softer than any lotion you've ever felt. And you're just like, Oh my God, like, duh. And, you know, I think Van Man has beef tallow that's the same for, you know, it's, I don't think it's very kosher to be rubbing uh, 
pork on your face. But, um, <laughs> true, you know, true. <laughs> so, so, uh, but yeah, um, I do it with the tallow. I haven't tried the lard yet, but you the, kind of just lard sold me on incredible. it. I think I'm, I'm gonna have to try. I know the brand you're referring. Is that 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 Faro? Like Faro. Yeah, yeah, Faro. Faro yeah. I've seen them around. I haven't tried it yet, but yeah, I've been using tallow for for quite a bit now, and I love it. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think it's probably time for me to try that too. But yeah, I, I would count that um, for sure. And I'll tell you who I think the number one is that really does this better than anybody, which is Erewhon. Erewhon oh. <laughs> is like, to yeah. me, like that is the future. If I had any money, I would put it all on Erewhon because, you know, and this is what I wanted to ask you lastly, which is, of course, controversial. But, you know, you mentioned Solbra, you mentioned Van Man. Do you feel that there's a political element to this? Hmm. I do think so. I mean, I think that there's like a, whether you want to call it political or not, it's, it's definitely a life philosophy that drives it. And I think that it even ties in with like your views on just the economic system in general. You know, I even think like crypto plays yeah. in, ties in. Yeah. I, I think, definitely. I think crypto is, is one of these. I, I definitely spend a lot. Of, yeah. Yeah. You know, that's 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 rebuilding the entire base layer of how this entire economic structure functions in the first place. Right. So I I personally I, I'm that's awesome that you kind of see that the same way, because, yeah, I think that that absolutely ties in here. So and I, I would say crypto is political in the same way I would say these brands are political in that it's like, you know, these things to me, it all kind of encompasses. Um, what how do you say it? But it's. um. It's just like a, a like a fairness, a realness, like a, a no bullshit, like a I think the people that are into all these weird health things that they're into, you know, making money on their own, maybe they're into crypto. It's like ultimately they realize that there's some really there's a there's an issue with the way we're living in general. And there's just an underlying fundamental problem to the way we're going about this whole thing of life and rethinking how we do things from, from business and products to commerce, to, to politics. So if you want to call that politics, like, I, I don't think of myself thinking about politics too much. I mean, I definitely think have views and all that, but like, I don't see it as politics, but I think you, I think it is, you know? So. Yeah. I think, I mean, like, again, I think that's very, I, I, you're so similar <laughs> to these other guys that I've talked to and you're in, in your own way. I mean, there you're a little different, but in like certain ways, I think you're a little more deep into, um, you know, you came up cutting your teeth on DTC, which is that's you're the first person I've seen so far in this space that is like that, um, which I think is great. It's it's like a great uh, the other guys all come from like the mainstream corporate sphere. So they, they were looking at working at hedge funds and index funds and, you know, in a, at consulting firms and stuff. Um Whereas you're more like self-taught, you know? Um, so I, the reason I think there's a political angle is because, and I think the political angle, it's not like conservative, you know, like none of us want to be black rifle coffee. You know, I think that that's a perfect mm -hmm. example of a white label crap product, you know, that nobody <laughs> wants to be like, um, I think there's like a libertarian sort of seed at, at the core of mm -hmm. a lot of this. And it's libertarian in the way that Burning Man is libertarian. Like Burning Man is fundamentally a libertarian festival. I don't know if you've ever been to it, but, um, but I haven't been, but aware of it. <laughs> it's like people think of Burning Man as hippie. It's not. Burning Man's like actually ultra right wing. 
<laughs> if you right. actually go there, it's like it's it's all about like self-sufficiently sufficiency and like total libertarianism, you know, like do whatever you want, basically, which is, as we've seen, the mainstream get more and more and more restrictive. I think right. that there's this crop of entrepreneurs who are like, I don't want to participate in that, you know, like I want to like get back to things that are natural, that feel right, that contain really simple ingredients that people can make and on their own and, you know, feel like it's separated from this supply chain that operates on enforcing dependence and enforcing dependence on horrible things, you know, that, that, as we said, it's the sickness and the cure to the cure to the sickness to, you know, it's like the cure to the cure to the cure to the cure, uh, seven miles down so that you're buying, you know, solve to solve to solve to solve. And, and it's just so unhealthy. Whereas I think so many people like you are going back to things that are more natural that don't require so many layers of synthetics and so many crazy machines to, you know, make expeller processed soybean oil right. in the shape of a hamburger because, you know, the hamburger is not good enough. Like, I feel like a lot of, and that's why, Erewhon is such a good example because Erewhon is like, it's like everything about it signals to this sort of like independence. Whereas like the, the holistic movement movements of the past, whole foods, right? Like whole earth catalog. The, these were kind of coming from the left. They were like hippie movements about healing the world, being together, mending the world together. Whereas I think this version of it is libertarian because it's almost like about separating from the world. It's about saying like, mm. no, it's not yeah. all like, like we're just not, we're not participating. Yeah, yeah exactly. We're basically yeah. not part of it. Just a funny aside, but I, I've been having this idea for like uh, a natural clothing brand for a while that I still may or may not do. I almost started that before Rizal. And I always just like, I see this so much in the fashion clothing spaces. You like go to like some brands Instagram and it's like, one, two, three, New York, New York. And then you go to their website and it's like seen in like GC Vogue or whatever. And I, I was just imagining like putting that on the on a website and just like, instead of saying like as seen is, it's just like, we don't care what these people say at all. <laughs> and it's just like a list of them all out. It's just like, just like a big like F you to like all this stuff that just doesn't make any sense. And like, people just don't care. Yeah. Uh, slight, slight aside, but yeah. I, no, I, totally. Uh, I love what you're getting at with with all this. And I think I love that you brought up Erewhon, honestly, because, dude, when I was leaving L.A., that was like one of the things that's like, man, like leaving Erewhon. I used to like I, I used to go to Erewhon a lot, like 2017. Like I was there all the time. Like, yeah, yeah, um, and yeah. it's that that's a great example. I mean, honestly, you're right that that fits right in because seeing Erewhon's like rocket ship is is I mean, now I see it just on the Internet every day. And I'm like, this used to just be this like weird trippy grocery store that like yeah. no everyone thought i was weird for going to yeah. um yeah. and now it's like a icon <laughs> yeah it's it's no, super totally. it's super fascinating yeah 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 no and and it's like and and Erewhon's like very comfortable being exclusive you know it's exactly. like they they're they're not about uh you know i'm just writing this down i think exclusivity is actually a good part of this is that like most of these brands also is like they're not they're not going for the cheap mass produced product. They're going for like actually getting what you pay for and getting something that's real. And, you know, I think a big inspiration, I'm sure, I'm sure you've gone this rabbit hole is like 
Charles Eisenstein, sacred economics and like, no, what's the, that? What is that? Oh man. It's like, yeah. it's like exactly what you're talking about of like the fix and the cure and like all this stuff. Oh, I mean, cool. it's basically this concept of like taking everything that like all these things were free and were better or were not necessarily free, but they were like real. And then it's like, everything has been taken away from us, cheapened out and then sold back to us in a yeah. way that like harms everything. And like, uh, for some reason, one of the examples I'm thinking of is he was talking about like babysitters and like now, like, you know, like the childcare industry is probably like a $10 billion industry or whatever. And it's like, but before like your neighbor would just like watch your kid. And it's like, it was just like this exchange. And then they would like give you like a bag of like lemons from their tree or something. And it's like, like there was this very like uh fair and real exchange and relationships in the economy. And now it's like, you know, you get something that's, you know, you try to buy like a spatula and it just comes from like OXO who made like 20 billion of them in China and they're all the same versus like you have some wooden spatula that was like hand carved by something. It's like that spatula would be a hundred dollars today. So in some ways we've, in some ways we're living in like the most rich times, but in a lot of ways you can't get anything of any value anymore. And it's all been stripped away and, and, and cheaped out to like the lowest of low. I mean, even if you, you buy like a, a a brand new house, you live in a $5,000 a month apartment or something. And it's like, it's still like a cheap building. It's like everything is cheap these days. You know, they used to make buildings out of stone and like, you know, real stuff. And now it's like, how can we like, you know, make it out of like particle board and like, you know, everything is just been cheaped out. The lowest bidder. It's like the lowest bidder supply chain is what I call it. And it's like, it's all, you know, perfectly tweaked by private equity groups to like be the lowest possible thing they can buy and that they sell at the highest. Exactly. It's just so extractive. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's purely extractive. extractive, and and that's what's the funny thing with 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 Rizal is obviously like you know the Twitter community and and so many people are huge fans of Rizal, obviously. But you know when you have a TikTok that goes viral like we have, you get in front of people that are used to spending twelve dollars on shoes at Walmart or something, you know, and like so you'll get I get I'll get comments about like oh the price is insane or whatever, and it's like yeah I get that, but like what what they don't get is like this is real leather from real animals that has a real cost to it. Real people stitch this stuff together. Like there's real elements to it. Whereas like, you know, you have your average hundred dollar shoe, your average hundred dollar shoe is probably costing that manufacturer literally three, $4 to make. And it's literally coming out of a like factory, like an actual factory is where those shoes are being produced. So yeah, you know, I think that model, like what we're getting at is it, it, it can really apply to all these things. And it's just, it's just getting back to real just getting back to basics. It's like the, the innovation is the low tech yeah. in a way. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. I think that that's right. The innovation is the low. It's like it's advanced because it's low tech. It's like, right. you know what I mean? It's like it's low tech yeah. and advanced, you know, because it's, it's low impact. Yeah. Right. The entire yeah, yeah, the entire pitch is like, this is what it was before everything got yeah. ruined. <laughs> yeah, before it got, well, and here like, we should end on this. So the concept you're talking about of, you know, hollowing the thing out and then selling it back, Deleuze has a whole thing about called territorialization and deterritorialization, which is this exact concept. It's like that everything in, in the modern world is the former thing that has been hollowed out and then like sold back to you without any of the substance that it came from before. Yeah. Yeah, so, so I definitely got to check out that book, and you definitely got to get into out, the rhizome, um, man. It's that's that's. <laughs> I'll read that, and you read Sacred Economics. And... Yeah, okay. I'm gonna <laughs> order this Eisenstein right now. I've, I've literally never even heard of this. 
So mm. I gotta, I gotta order this for sure. Um, cool, man. All right. Well, dude, thank you so much for joining. Um, yeah. Uh, oh wait, what, what was the viral TikTok? where I want to, um, so I've had a couple that were kind of remaking the same thing, but it was literally just, it just started out with me flipping the shoe over, showing the copper and just saying, um, I had a few different openers for it, but it was just like, like these shoes do something you've never seen before, essentially. Like, like, why does this have a copper thing in the shoe? Like, it's just intrigue. And then just, it was literally like an ad for the shoe. Like it literally is just like explained grounding, explained barefoot, explained all that. And these, these ads essentially went viral organically. And then I put paid Amazing. behind them too, but yeah, I mean, they had, you know, many hundreds of thousands of views organically. And, Just by themselves. Um, but see, this mm -hmm. is what's so incredible. This is why, mm -hmm. like, when you are genuinely changing something. So there's this brand right now, Modern Mammals. Have you seen this? Ooh, um, yes, but I'm blanking out on what exactly so it is. So they're stealing our shit. They're, they're st they, like, they, the, the ad said, shampoo is a hoax, right? Oh and, yeah. And then, so I was like, Oh, this is interesting. It's like one of these kind of conspiratorial libertarian brands, but then you actually look at the product. It's the exact same shit. They're not changing oh, anything. They're, they're total. It's totally fake. Like it's just the fake branding on top of the same exact yeah. product. Whereas sucks, when, yeah, yeah. When you're actually changing the product, which is what you're doing. It's like a, it sells itself. It's like, you don't even need marketing. Your shit goes viral on its own. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not, um, it's a very easy formula right now, to be honest. And that, yeah. that's why I, I kind of can't get this idea out of my head of like, I, I mean, I want to stay focused, but at the same time, I have so many ideas and I just like want to see them exist in the world. And I think that's what like the entrepreneurial side of this really does is it's like, it's not just about making money. Like this is a tool to accelerate the adoption of ideas, like getting brands and products out to people truly accelerates the movement of these ideas. Like, like, like what 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 Tan Man and Masa is doing to 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 chips, it's like, you know, you can tweet about seed oils, but if you have, I mean, I've never seen uh, there there have been more posts on Instagram about Masa chips than there's ever been about seed oils, probably. <laughs> and you know, it just like that. Those I I really have been thinking about this a lot lately, and it feels like the products are the products are the market. Sorry, a motorcycle is going by. Uh, the products are the marketing for the idea in a way. Yeah, exactly. And 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 if you just Right. You don't have to make it up. You don't have to build all of this BS on top. I mean, you know, I run an agency called Will that literally represents these products in marketing. So I don't want to say you shouldn't do any marketing, but you, you <laughs> can, you know, but, but it's true. Like you can spend one, one hundredth, maybe not one hundredth, one tenth of what another company is spending on marketing simply because you're actually making something awesome. Like, yeah. whoa, oh my God, imagine, you know, like imagine just making something really great and yeah. then letting it sell itself. And then instead of having to do this whole actuarial thing of, oh, let's slowly but surely switch this ingredient and switch this ingredient right. until it's a piece of shit. And maybe just don't spend so much on marketing. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, and then it's so you're what you're getting at is why I honestly do not vibe with pretty much the entire DDC space is because yeah. it's all, it's all about optimizing every single step in the funnel to just play this numbers game yep. to maybe work at scale to yeah. pump out some bullshit to everybody. Like that's yeah. literally the model. And it's so much better, at least in my view, at least for my goals as a whole, whether that's financially or just what I want to exist, it's so much better to create 
the things that I want that are, you know, going to strike a chord with a very select group of people. And then that will accelerate that group to grow. Like, I think these brands are what grows the thing. And then you end up owning the space. Like my goal is for Rizal to own the grounding shoe space. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's the same for all these other brands. It's like, you know, if Neutrogena comes out with a tallow bomb, like, it's just not going to work. Like it's like Van Man is going to have the edge there. Cause he has like, he, he has that roots, that yeah. rootsy community yeah. that built it up from, from the beginning. So Totally. Yeah. No, and you're, you're totally right with the marketing. I mean, the marketing has been a huge hit so far. And like, I've been there, I've tried like back to the Amazon days, you know, I was just trying to market stuff that wasn't quite unique enough. And when you have something that really stands out, one measure I've had, cause I had this with both RSNV and I had this with Rizal is like, you need to have a product cool enough that influencers buy it. <laughs> like yeah. if influencers buy your product, you're onto something. Right. If you're struggling to get an influencer to accept your product for free, they're like, nah, <laughs> like then you just don't have something interesting enough. Like you need to have, you should have, you should have influencers and known people that are excited that you made something exist that they want. That and they I think that's how you, yeah. And the then that's problem, how you get a real though, influencer. Yeah. The, the, but the problem with that, it, I totally agree. And we have this issue though, with a lot of my clients now where, yeah, the influencer wants nothing more than to post with this product because they're genuinely interested in it. And we've made contact with them. We know they love it. They know we love them. But now you have some asshole in the middle saying, well, we don't post for free, right? I mean, so like, how right. do you deal with that? How do you deal with like, how do you deal with the agent who's like, okay, well, are you doing brand partnerships? Because we don't post without being paid. Yeah, to be honest, I have mostly just not used those ones, and I you think just that, don't like, even, maybe like, maybe that's that not just like you know yeah. maybe that's like the the million plus uh, follower sort of influencers. I've just haven't gone that route at this stage. Yeah. More just going for like you know the the people that are really big and like let's say like the biohacking and alternative health space and 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 honestly, I think with most products, if I had reached out to these people, they probably would have not responded. But with this, my hit rate has been unbelievable so yeah. i'm not saying this i don't really have like a magic strategy other than the product i think the product is the strategy and i think with this you know i i've reached out to people i've personally followed for five years and like 99 percent of them are just like yeah i'm down and then like yeah, yeah. i mean i've started do, doing paid stuff i mean we're definitely doing paid marketing like whether that's just like you know tiktok meta twitter um, but also doing like just recently started some podcast ads, which is sort of, you know, related to influencer, but as far as just like sending it to somebody on Instagram, like even larger, larger known people, like it's really just been, you know, check out the product. And if you love it, like, you know, we have, uh, you can do like an affiliate code and share it out and that's worked really well. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, thank you so much. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll keep talking and, um, Yeah. But I, I obviously I'm really psyched about these shoes. I, what's been so um, really rewarding about this whole project is how great the products really are. And I really am not just saying this, like you got to order these shoes. <laughs> People who are listening, you got to try them. It's expensive, but it's not that expensive. You know, I mean, it's like it's they're not like cr crazy expensive. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're they're like they're, they're priced actually quite well, I think, because it's like. If you if I can wear these shoes for the next several years, like it'll be way more than worth it. So um, thank you totally. so much, Matt. Yeah, thanks for having me on. This was a I, I love what you're doing. I love that you have defined this space and you're putting, you know, 
thoughtful words to what this thing is because you're you're defining something that's been in my head that I haven't quite put put words to. So so I really appreciate you like you know thinking on this idea and and putting it out there. I think it's uh it's an exciting time for this space. For sure, man. Cool. Well, thanks for coming on. Cool. Thanks.